0: Welcome in to the Late Night Radio Podcast. This is Episode 5 with yours truly, Justin, and as always, my co-host, Alan. Alan, what are the headlines this week? Well, Christine
1: Ohm, Governor of South Dakota, says that the government crushed the economy not the deadly coronavirus. So we're going to talk about what does the right, what are the rights of the government when it comes to the economy, and what should Christians do in responsibility?
0: What are their responsibility with something like COVID? All right, uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Governor Cuomo. Uh, he's he's come under some fire for uh, some sexual misconduct. Um, some things have come to the surface there, especially now that he is no longer useful in the left's war against Trump.
1: And finally, or not finally, but we're going to talk about the White House. Now wants to say who can come in and come out. They're going to start charging different press uh, outlets $170 for a test for their person to get into the White House. And on a related note, our friends at Gab were hacked by a hacker group who uh, is excusing the behavior by trying to connect it to January 6th. And we're going to talk about, for our main topic of discussion...
0: Yes, for our main topic, we're talking about the largest uh, Protestant adoption agency in the country has announced that they will now assist LGBTQ couples with adoption. Obviously, that's a huge story. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into all of those things. But before we do that, Alan, how you been this week? Man,
1: I've been all right. I've been all right. Puppy, puppy life is okay. Um, oh, puppy uh, life. If you, if you didn't know, uh, my wife and I got a dog, and we're trying to potty train the dog as he's just over nine weeks old, and we've only had him for just over a week, so we're trying to potty train him. He met a few dogs this weekend, got along with them, maybe picked up some aggressive behavior, uh, or at least uh, he got used to being aggressive with these bigger dogs, and now he wants to get aggressive with Haley and because he thinks we're, we're big dogs, but in fact, we're humans, and we don't like being bit. So puppy life is okay. But uh, other than that, you know, we're pretty chill. What about you, uh,
0: Alan? I tell you what, um, I will, I will come. I will take your puppy. I will uh, potty train your puppy. But then when it's time for my son to be potty trained, I'm going to send him to you. How's that work?
1: Oh my goodness! that, well, that sounds <laughs> um, that sounds like uh, a fair trade on your end. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I think I get was- the better end of that deal. Haley was uh, very upset um, the other night with the dog. Not with the dog, but just uh, overwhelmed by the dog's behavior. And I just said, uh, oh, well, just think about this whenever we have a kid who's acting out or a kid that is uh, you know, potting all over himself and all this sort of thing. And, and I doubt you'll ask the same questions of whether we made a mistake getting a, having a kid like we did. Uh, like you say, we did getting a dog. So uh, pretty funny stuff. But that does sound like you would like that kind of a trade fair. Fair trade on your
0: end. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't complain. Uh, no, this have week. Have you guys been up to anything? Uh, no, not not a ton. Um, I will tell you, uh, Alan, I'm gonna level with you. I'm gonna level with our listeners. Uh, I have I've come under some fire this week for something I said on the podcast last week. Um, Alan, I made a major faux pas. I need to apologize not only to our friends in the Thai community, but also in the Vietnamese community. I misidentified banh mi, Alan. I said Mm. banh mi might be Thai food. I was horribly mistaken. It is of course Vietnamese. And of all the feedback that, that I received from our show, that was far and away what people wanted to uh, talk about the most is how could I ever think that banh mi was Thai and not Vietnamese. The two could be, uh, no less related, according to the folks who have criticized me there. So, I'm sure the to folks our folks that listeners,
1: you—they are the whitest people
0: on earth as well. <laughs> uh, no comment. But <laughs> to, to our listeners, I apologize. I'm sorry. I, I humbly submit myself, asking for forgiveness, and I appreciate that. And I trust that you will grant that forgiveness.
1: Well, I believe you should apologize to no one. And I can hold that position because I don't know these people. <laughs> no <laughs> one spoke to me about such a thing. I forgot that you even talked about bond me. That's because when you're talking during this podcast sometimes I'm not listening.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the that's the thing that our listeners don't don't know, maybe, is that we sit and we record this podcast and then we go back and Alan, I don't know about you, but I listen and I think, Oh man, what did I say right there? Well, Justin Goodness gracious.
1: I do believe that for your Grave uh, mistakes made in misidentifying, uh, mi- mis-originating uh, Bond Me. We should bring you under the new death penalty punishment that South Carolina is <laughs> passing into law. We should, we should bring this. If you didn't, I just sent this to Justin moments before we record. I sent him a, a link to an article. The South Carolina Senate voted in majority to add firing squad to its method of um, execution. When lethal injection is not available basically there are a number of states that are low on lethal injection ingredients and so a few states have the electric chair south carolina is one of them and south carolina has also now they're going to offer i guess death row inmates the firing squad a classic bringing it back man you know they say the 80s are coming back uh the 90s are coming back now the firing squad's
0: coming back listen it won't be long before we have public hangings It won't be long before we have public hangings. And
1: I think that leads well into our first topic of conversation, our first headline this week. Justin, I saw this headline, Governor Kristi Noem. Governor Kristi Noem out of South Dakota, one of the few governors, well, I believe the fewest governor, because I believe South South Dakota was the only state in these United States of America that did not shut down, that did not ever have a mask mandate, as I understand it had very low COVID numbers to that uh, point, on their point there, but never shut down. Uh, I know some Christians, uh, Christian organizations, that's that's moving their annual rally, their annual conference to South Dakota, simply because they're one of the most freest uh, states in the union, and yeah. because they support the governor, Christine Noem. I'm not sure if she's a Christian. I'm sure she identifies as a Christian in some regard, as they all do, like Justin pointed out last week. Sure. But she was quoted this week saying that... The government, not COVID, crushed the economy. Justin, your gut reaction to that quote is,
0: man, I, I think she's right. Um, <clears throat> you know, COVID did not come in and set all these policies, right? Um, that was purely on the part of the government, and there has been a wild debate as to whether that was the right thing to do, and whether whether the steps they took were maybe a little too drastic.
1: Yes, and what what she means is that. Uh, the, the the coronavirus was not deadly uh, enough to shut down the world as we did to sh- to tell people they cannot go to work but but it's not even that I think Justin you want to hit on this this point too
0: yeah
1: um it it's not even that it's that does the government have the right to tell you you cannot go to work what is right. the responsibility of free peoples and free humans uh, does the government should the government be our daddy to use a pejorative right. uh, kind of connotation there
0: you have some thoughts on that right uh i, I do um alan <clears throat> you know as we talk about that uh the government in this instance in particular did i like how you said that they decided to be daddy in a sense um they wanted to protect the citizens the way that maybe parents would protect little kids saying that they knew what was right that they were going to set the guidelines. Um, and I just have to question whether that's right. I saw another headline that you know you and I discussed. We didn't bring it up earlier because we thought it fit well into this. But uh, I've seen in Texas, <clears throat> the governor has decided to lift the mask mandate. Uh, there will no longer be a mask mandate. And he's allowing most businesses to open at 100%. And my, my initial reaction is fantastic. That's awesome. That's a, a good thing to do. And then I saw another headline. The very next headline said, some companies in Texas have decided that they will still require their customers to wear masks, that they will still limit capacity to 50%. And It was so ironic to me because they thought they were taking a stand against the government or against this governor who is a Republican that they disagree with. In reality, this is the way the government should function. The government shouldn't put these limits and restrictions on us. They should trust the people to do what is right. So if those companies believe that a mask is is what's required to enter the store, good. Let those companies do that. If they want to limit their capacity, good. Let them do that. I think that's the government's responsibility Not to set the guidelines, but to allow a framework wherein businesses can set guidelines for their customers.
1: Yeah, the government should support life, liberty, and the pursuit of justice. Although I will say, I've just had the thought come to my mind. Would we say the same thing about a business that doesn't want to allow certain people of certain color to come in their business? Just a thought. Just a thought. I don't think this is the situation.
0: Well, let me me jump in on that hot take. Yes, I think we should 100% allow that. If a business wants to say, no insert race here allowed. <clears throat> I think we should allow them to do that because I think we should be able to know who the bigots are, so to speak. We should, we should know that if there's, if there's a white guy who doesn't want to allow black folks into his business, I want to know that. I don't want to give him my support. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I honestly think that that would be a great thing to do. Go ahead and let businesses make whatever, uh, policies they want to make let the people know who they really are i'm i'm 100% in support well, of that well that gets Alan. to
1: our free art that gets to our free market discussion that we had an episode or two ago about do we actually have a free market we related it obviously to the robin hood controversy at the time but uh, do christians believe in a truly free market i'd say no christians are not anarchists the government does have a right uh, to come in and say yes or no to certain things where it has the right to do so. Like we've talked about last week with Romans 13, to do what is right. good and to do what is evil. And I think what we see in this COVID economy stuff that we're talking about with Christy Nome is that the government came in and I think punished good working. You know, the Romans 13 says the government exists to reward good and punish evil. And the government during all this coronavirus stuff decided to punish good, going to work, yep. opening your yep. business, supporting your family. And they wanted to reward uh, what I would call evil, because the Bible says, "Thou, those who do not work, shall not eat." So they decided to pun to reward evil by, by not working, shutting down your business, relying on the government's hand to give you food. But even if you don't wanna call that evil or, or if you just wanna call that sort of a, a laziness, listen, we all fell for it. We all liked the fifteen days to slow the spread. I don't know a single person who didn't who didn't get a little excited when they thought, ooh, we're gonna get two weeks off of work This is gonna <laughs> be a little bit gonna be a little bit fun, huh? Gonna sit at home, watch H D T V and you know, my boss is gonna think I'm working from home, but but not really. Um, I don't know a single person who, who did that. I, I, I don't believe that for a second. So, we all sort of fell for it, but now we should realize that Christy Nome is right. The government came in, punished good, and uh, did what was wrong and, and, and did what was right. And the Christians have to understand that and they have to do what Justin said. We have to fight for the right of people to make their own free choice. Because people are free. Image bearers are free. The government does not have the right to lord over you. But even more so, Christians are free. We are free people. Justin. Yes. Chris Cuomo. What's going on there?
0: Chris Cuomo. I think everything's good with him. Andrew, though. Andrew, we've got some real... Oh, I've real, written down Chris. Going on. I've
1: written down Chris Cuomo and every <laughs> on everything that I've got here. Did I write it down? Oh no, uh, no, I didn't. Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, not Chris Cuomo. Yes. Chris Cuomo's it, good, except for being just an absolute terrible uh, news journalist. But what's going on with Andrew? Cuomo?
0: <laughs> Andrew Cuomo, man. Some women have started coming out and saying that he's made unwanted uh, sexual advances towards them. Um, <clears throat> you know, one. Uh, I don't know how familiar our listeners are with some of these stories. Uh, we're not talking about a case of uh, outright like sexual assault. We are talking about the kind of stuff that people said, um, even with our former president, that he was guilty of, and they were ready to, um, you know, talk about what a horrible person he was because of all these things. Um, we're talking about. Um, flirtations that come from a person of power. We're talking about attempts to kiss someone when they were not even close to well, expecting his, that. His second
1: accuser, a lady named Charlotte Bennett said that uh, she worked in his health administration during all this coronavirus stuff, said that he would, he asked her weird questions about her sex life, whether she liked yeah. to be with other women, whether, and I know yeah. uh, what are the, whether she liked to be with older men, this weird yeah. stuff, definitely prodding questions. Like he was trying to, yeah. uh, like he was trying to groom her almost in a sense to be his new girlfriend. Uh, right. And Lindsey Boylan, his first accuser, went out and kind of validated what she was saying, at least in the sense that she said, yeah, that sounds like the kind of behavior that Andrew did toward me. So Andrew Cuomo, already been a disaster of a governor when it comes to coronavirus. We talked about that. We talked about that subject a few weeks ago. Now, it turns out maybe he's also a disaster in being a feminist because he's just uh, hounding women. He recently had a third allegation. I haven't seen too many details about that.
0: Uh, here's here's the funny thing, Alan. Um, you're looking at a guy who, and we've talked about it before, uh, wrote a book about how effective of a leader he was during COVID, and now it's come out that he wasn't. And it's not like the media could go back and, and just trash him now after they made him such a hero. So now they have this opportunity to, to do away with Cuomo, I think 100%. They're gonna take it. I think. I think you're gonna see this guy have to step down in the next, mm. uh, in the next little bit. I think well, it's coming. I've seen some
1: impeachment. I've seen some impeachment rumblings. Uh, this, this is an interesting point. You know, this guy was sort of like the. Uh, he was sort of like the the next big thing in the Democratic Party. There was a lot of momentum maybe to him to take Joe Biden's place before mm-hmm. the DNC took place, and Joe Biden was cemented as the candidate. Um, but you know, this is looking real bad for Cuomo, like you just said. You know, um, Joe Biden's accuser. Joe Biden did have a an accuser who seemed more credible than some accusers, but was found not, I don't know, but she has come out, Tara Reid. She's come out and said, uh, in support of both of, uh, well, actually in support of the first accuser that Cuomo had, Lindsay Boylan. She said that uh, she's accusing the media of which Chris Cuomo's brother is a part of, but she's accusing the media and the Democrat party of a collection, a collective collusion. That's a quote against uh those who are coming out um of with sexual assault allegations towards you know people in their crew so she's saying that when someone like tara reed or someone like lindsey and tara Reid saying there's a collective collusion amongst the media and the democrat party together coming and silencing these accusers and that's scary man that should scare anybody who sympathizes with the democratic party doesn't sympathize with the democrat party it's scary and you're seeing it front scale with the with the with the new, you know, uh, the new hot thing that was the Democrat Party and Andrew Cuomo,
0: right? And and to me, Alan, I just think it's funny because I mean, not funny in the sense of <clears throat> comical that these women went through this, but it's it's funny to me the way it's being handled uh, because the the allegations of cover up—that's the kind of stuff that if it happens to. A Republican. You look at what Brett Kavanaugh went through. Everybody's talking about, you know, there's a cover-up going on. They're trying to make sure all the details don't come to light. Um, this goes back to what we've talked about in the past. Politics is just a game in in this country now. Um, if if the guy on my side is doing a bad thing, um, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna defend him, and that's what you're gonna see. The the Democrats and the media do a little bit, I think. Um, although some of this stuff might just be a little too credible with, with Cuomo. The other thing, dude, I sat and watched Chris Cuomo, who, who you brought up, uh, interview his brother on air all summer long mm. about the pandemic and what he's doing, how they're handling it. Um, but now the, this issue comes out and, and Chris Cuomo says, obviously I can't talk about my brother because that's a conflict mm-hmm. of interest. Uh, and, and that's just, that's so funny to me, because while his brother is actively encouraging policy that's shipping sick people into nursing homes and, and killing those people in the nursing homes, um, he's, you know, yucking it up on... Uh, Justin, yeah. hypocrisy. It's a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Our,
1: and our our last headline before our before our main topic today is actually kind of two headlines that I thought connected together this one a little bit more interesting than the other for most people the White House now plans to charge news outlets or should I say their White House correspondents, for for the COVID-19 test before they enter the building so it's 170 dollars a test so I guess every day when somebody wants to come into the White House to to interview the president to be a part of the uh, press briefings with Jen Psaki uh, they're going to continue to circle back to having to get the test I guess That's a little joke for Jin Saki fans out there. This is absolutely... (laughs) I got uh, that. It took me a second. I got that. Uh, It (laughs) did. This is absolutely an interesting... uh, This is an interesting thing. A little bit alarming. Uh, First off, why can the government not... I mean... This is just weird. Why are we now needing to test, the, uh, needing to get these reporters to pay for their tests? Why is it $170? I can go down the street and get a free test and I get my results back in five hours. I guess it's super rapid result because they show up at the White House, they needed to get it done, and then they get in. Super weird. But is this the beginning of taking all types of tests in order to be able to report the news? Like, not only is this going to be able to, not only is this going to hurt smaller news companies like, say, the Late Night Network. Say we had a White House correspondent. Man, I, I don't know about Justin or I, but I don't know that we can just drop $170 every single day.
0: Yeah. Not
1: where we're at. And we're not a news organization, but there are smaller news organizations that send White House correspondents or would like to to, because that's the free right of the people, the free press. And so, right. this is certainly going to hurt those companies. Those companies that would actually speak out and ask the hard questions, this is certainly going to hurt them. It's also just going to help whoever's in power, uh, whether that be in the White House or in the administrative state, be able to try and buy off their opponents. But is this the beginning of taking all types of tests in order to report the news? I I believe so. I think this could be alarming to that end. I think this could be the beginning of having to sign sort of a statement of faith to enter the newsroom. The free press is not appearing to be so free. What do you think, Justin?
0: All right. So so what you're what you're getting at here? Let me let me let me make sure I'm on the same page with you. What you're saying is that you're afraid what we're going to see is is there's going to be a step from you have to pass or fail, I guess. You have to get a certain result on a test, whether you have a sickness or not, and they're going to kind of shift from that to like an ideology screening. Is that what you're getting at?
1: Yeah, not to sound all doom and gloom, Justin, but I think this could lead from uh, physical tests of coronavirus or, or, or different diseases to uh, a more heinous statement of uh, your ideology, statement of what you believe in. Uh, I mean, they might not be able to pass this Equality Act like we talked about last week, uh, but they may very well be able to sign some sort of an executive order to where if you want to be a, a White House correspondent, you have to agree with the with the ideology that the, the holder of the White House, the executive order signer holds or something like that. Some sort of equality position, uh, much like that. I think this could so, lead to something
0: like that. So here's here's. My initial response when you say that is, well, obviously we have freedom of the press, right? Like, surely that'll never be a, a, an issue that this country deals with as a president, you know, signing something into or, uh, signing something into law that um, limits the, the freedom of the press, and that ends up becoming a slippery slope argument, um, but, you know, there are a lot of things that we could look around at today that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago... Uh, the outcome that we now see would have been the basis of a slippery slope argument. Mm -hmm. So I never want to discount an argument just because it sounds like, well, surely that will never happen.
1: Yeah. And my point on, uh, you know, connecting it to the smaller businesses or the smaller news outlets going to be hurt by having to spend this kind of money yep. is the smaller news outlets are going to be hurt by not being able to spend that kind of money. But they could easily just pay off the larger news outlets. No one no one will be able to know that the, that the smaller news outlets are being excluded because they don't sign this sort of test of affirmation because the larger news outlets just won't report it. Much like you see with certain administrations when they are in power. News outlets just don't report their failings. They just don't report what's bad or what's going on. So I think this could get dangerous for people because I think you you know you sign a couple of big CNN, ABC News, maybe even Fox News. You get them to sign over that their people will only ask certain questions and that they affirm certain things and they don't have to report that there are others being screwed out of it, that there are others being left out, that it's not such a free press after all.
0: And so, so maybe that even starts with something small like, hey, our uh, we're going to have some press availability availability today. We need to know that you won't ask just this one basic thing. Mm-hmm. It, it might start somewhere like that, and then eventually that sets the precedent for you know, screening questions even beforehand. I, I get what you're saying there. That, that makes sense.
1: Certainly an interesting, on a related note, but not too related. Just wanted to throw this one in there. Our friends at Gab, we talked mm-hmm. about Gab on one of the first episodes i think although we've only had five so they're all one of the first episodes (laughs) Uh, our friends at gab were hacked by a private hacking group 70 gigs man which contains which contains everything on gab every which is funny but but uh, but you can laugh and say it must not be much on gab right now Um, but (laughs) that contains every password of every account um all every post except for pictures they even got all donald trump's account man they got his password um, oh, no. Yeah, I know. So, uh, Gab is hacked. Everything's out there. Now, the media, the, the hacking company has said they're not going to release uh, any of the sensitive data. What they did say, though, a spokesperson for the hacking group said, quote, it's another goldmine of research for people looking at militias, neo-Nazis, and the far right, QAnon, and everything surrounding January 6th. And my initial reaction was that this is a glimpse of what's going to happen to those who oppose the leftist agenda, or should I just say the agenda of those who are in power, especially those who claim Jesus as Lord. So here's what I mean. No matter who, what happened on January 6th, put that aside, it could have been November, what was it, 3rd when the election happened? It could have been that Donald Trump won this election And they start hacking groups like Gab to try and find anyone associated with November 3rd. Because what's going to happen, what is happening in a story like this, is that uh, the media is not speaking out against this. The president of, of our country right now, Joe Biden, is not speaking out against this. This private hacking organization gets to go basically and be a hitman for a leftist agenda of going after those associated with January 6th, which I, I believe is not even the true motivation. I believe the true motivation is Gab was gaining a lot of traction with conservatives, not all conservatives who supported January 6th or anything like that, but conservatives. And I think they wanted to go after Gab. And I think now those who claim Jesus is Lord, uh, those who don't believe Caesar is Lord, those who don't believe that the government is Lord. There there are going to be those uh, private hacking groups that are hired as hitmans or actual government officials. This is just a little taste of what might be to come for those who don't follow in line with the government. And I hate to be that doom and gloom kind of government guy, but it all comes back to my point that I think things are going to get better over time because I think as we disciple the nations, people come to Christ. I don't ultimately believe in a doom and gloom type end of world scenario. I believe that we disciple the nations, and I believe that we win the nations for Christ because that's what Christ told us to do. He said the kingdom of God was like a little, was like leaven in a lump of bread. It starts as a little, and then the whole loaf is, is leavened. So I, I believe that we're discipling the nations, but I believe that we fail desperately, and we've raised a whole bunch of generations uh, or a whole generation of people who don't know Jesus as Lord and do whatever the heck they want to do. And this is just an example of it. G- Justin... Am I too much of a doom and gloom guy? Do I read too much into stories like Gab being hacked? What do you
0: think? Um, so, <laughs> I could I could go both ways with that uh, answer there, Alan. I think as I read, you know, some of some of what happened, <clears throat> you know, my, my initial question to you was, hey, are we sure that that's you know they were targeted because of that? But then as you point out, like their response as they found as they were able to to hack in and They were able to say what they found. It, it does become kind of clear that, um, you know, first of all, Gab exists for a, a, a target audience, right? Um, they they know who they are. They know who they want to be. Um, so when you look at uh, a group like that who has been hacked, you, I, I think, I think maybe you're right that they're targeted for a reason. Um, so so let let me say this. I think that we're in a place. Where our <clears throat> um, ideological opponents, so to speak, um, we don't view them as people with whom we should have a conversation. We view them as enemies. Um, I, I, honestly, as you said that you know you think things are going to get better. <laughs> my gut reaction was, where's the evidence of that?
1: <laughs> um, and
0: I, so may, maybe I'm a little more doom and gloom than you are, Alan. Um, and that's that's not typically what my response would be. Normally, I, I see the good in everybody, and um, but no, when it comes to when it comes to our politics and anything that is politically motivated, it just seems like people are living more and more in a bubble, and I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Um, mm. And when when we're so isolated that we believe our side is always going to be right, our opinion is always going to be right, it becomes very easy to a get into that doom and gloom mindset. B See our, see the other side as our enemies. Um, and if that is our mindset, it, it I, I think the doom and gloom mindset might not be that far off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
1: it is easy to read into a story like this and, 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 yep. and see maybe too far into it. But I definitely yep. see the danger that is in uh, the media not condemning this happening, the, the sure. president not condemning this happening. The yeah. So ladies.
0: here's, here's a, yeah. Sorry. Here's a question for you. If, if this is, if, all the roles are reversed here. Uh, well, just within the, the GAB thing. If GAB is a specific network for like left-wing ideology, um, and then a group hacks it and says, look, look at all this Antifa stuff that's going on, like this the BLM conversations that are happening on this uh, network, um, how strongly do you think the media would condemn the group that hacked? Mm. I think it well, would be a swift condemnation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or I thought you were going to ask if what happened on January sixth were uh, a Joe Biden leaning organization because the the winner of the re- election was reversed, and then there sure. was a media outlet that had a lot of their sympathizers on that. What would the media? Sure. And I think it's it, both in one hand. Uh, they're both the same thing. It, it, there's a similar reaction in that. It would be what Kamala Harris said, right? They're going to continue to do it, and they need to do it. That's what she said in regards Correct. to violent rioters. There, There is definitely an agenda switch uh, for, for one side than there is another. And I think this story not being reported, this story not being at- talked about, and the consequences that could come from the story the ramifications that could come from a story like this i mean who's to say they don't hack into uh the late night podcast or the late night blog my blog go check it out and, and because they don't like the uh message that's being portrayed on there because they disagree with it because it doesn't claim that biden is lord it claims that christ is lord or or anyone for that matter Yep. They could do what they wanted to. This is this is a type of censorship done by a hacked or a hacking organization that I wouldn't be surprised if was hired out by somebody in the government or somebody in uh, George Soros-type character hired out. It's not like Alex Jones, but hired out there to... Uh, <laughs> I
0: was going to say, we're getting into some yeah. conspiracy theory stuff here. into some conspiracy. <laughs> it is a little
1: conspiracy theory, and I don't know that Christians should live in conspiracy theories because I do think Christians should be optimistic, and I do think Christians should try to right. see... Um, Not the good in everyone because everyone's a wretched sinner, but how a situation can be the best because how it can be made the most for Christ. But this definitely does seem a little bit, and it's just a warning out there. If you're one who believes that Christ is Lord, then you should guard yourself. You should guard your garden, as we've talked about before, and you should stand for your organizations. You should stand for your church because there could be a day that they come busting down the doors uh, of your church because you do not claim uh, anyone else but Christ as Lord. And that does not go with the agenda of human tyrants. That does not go with the agenda of government tyrants. And uh, this story isn't supposed to mean into that. This is just Gab getting hacked. But I do think points a little bit to that. I do think this is a glimpse of what could or would happen.
0: Well, Alan, what I hear you saying there is that there's a group that might be a little more left-leaning uh, they might have a little more presence that what they're ultimately doing is, uh, we have this conversation that we should seek unity. We should be able to come together with our differing ideas. That's not what they're doing. They're seeking conformity. They want everyone to conform to their way of thinking. And I think that that leads well into this last topic we're going to talk about. Uh, our main topic for this episode is segue of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been working on the segues, man. Um, we have this Christian Protestant adoption agency that has now announced they're going to assist LGBTQ couples with adoption. Two big questions, Alan. One, why why have they made this announcement? But but two, and I think we need to answer the second question first, why were they ever against LGBTQ adoption?
1: Oh, well, certainly a hot topic these days. Um yep. Just had a mega, mega Christian influencer, He's written lots of books, has been an evangelical leader, apologized for comments he made almost 20 years ago about same-sex marriage. He apologized and asked for the forgiveness of Christ for his hateful words. Um, this is certainly a, a hot topic. Uh, no, surprise, no surprise, unfortunately, that there would be such a large organization that would fail on what is so clear a teaching in, in, in God's word. He created the male and female. He created males and females to have relations. Jesus echoes this in Matthew 19 in his teaching about marriage. This is not something that the scriptures whisper about. As some might would even argue, this is not something that the scriptures, you know... um, contradict themselves on it's not just a matter of old testament law or old testament civil law or anything like that it is a teaching of how god created people and it is echoed in the very words of jesus and in the very words of of jesus paul actually describes a, a homosexual lifestyle as one of the many lifestyles in romans chapter one that is so um Against God, that it actually suppresses the truth of God by living an unrighteous lifestyle. Same thing, maybe, could be said about something like a serial killer, uh, something like a drug addict. These lifestyles of sin, that's what Paul describes in Romans chapter 1. And one of the examples that he uses is homosexuality because to deny. Well, uh, to deny, to have sex before marriage is to deny God's design for marriage and God's teaching on marriage. And to be married or to to have a relation with someone of the same sex or someone of a transgender sex is to deny God's design for gender and deny God's design for sex. It is a it is a direct profaning of God. It is a direct uh, mirage, as some would call it. It is a fake marriage because it is a profaning of God.
0: Yeah, um, I definitely. I think that's exactly the right uh, answer there as to um, why a Christian organization will be against the mm. the LGBTQ um, adoption situation. Um, so let me let me take a step back because I want I want to make it clear to our listeners. Um, I am not saying that. Uh, let me think. I want to say this. I'm not saying that I think the government should step in. And talk about um, who can adopt children necessarily. If there are secular agencies who want to work with LGBTQ uh, couples, you know what? I'm not a fan of it, but that's their their decision. What I don't like is this idea that we're going to coerce Christian organizations to go... Um, against what their teachings are, right? To go against this idea that marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, Listen, that's something that I think is a topic of conversation, uh, is whether or not the Bible does teach that. There are folks who try to say the Bible does not teach that that's what marriage is. But I think the most basic answer there is like you said, um, there's a natural order. The Bible teaches about the natural order and the natural Mm -hmm. order expresses God's truth. Um, The other thing, uh, I'm a big believer in science. Um, some people like to say that Christians don't like science. I think that's, I, I think that's an ignorant statement. Just say um,
1: it, Justin. Just say it. Just, just <laughs> in the strongest possible terms, Justin <laughs> believes that's hogwash.
0: Yeah, hogwash, man. Um, no. So my my thing is, we there, there is science that shows um, children. Uh, the, the, the best setup for a child to have is a mother and a father. Um, and I think if if Christians, if Christian organizations hold to that biblical standard of marriage, there's no reason to ever go against that. Now, if we're talking about the government saying, uh, again, I've already said all that. I don't need to get into that again. Um, we don't want a situation where we're trying to tell specific religious organizations how they should behave. It goes back to what I said earlier, where I said if a, if there's a blatant racist who wants to open a store and let it be known how racist he is, not allow uh, non-white people into his store, let him do that so we know what he wants, right? Um, uh, another question I always have with this kind of thing, why would a non-Christian couple want to fight so hard to go through a Christian organization for adoption why is that such a, a huge thing for them
1: right well the, the unrighteous lifestyle it's covetous it's all they want to go through they just covet they want what they can't have uh, because it's, it's coherent with their lifestyle Justin I think you asked a good question why would a Christian organization abandon its, its, its original principles abandon its original stance and go towards this, um, change their policies? Why would they do yeah. that? And I believe, uh, th- this was my biggest takeaway from this story, was that this is totally and completely the fault of the church, in particular the fault of the yeah. American church, and here's what I mean. I think the church has completely failed to do what I did when you first asked me this question, is have a firm stance on what biblical yeah. marriage is and what biblical marriage is not. Uh, you see this in the fact that one of our evangelical leaders that I was just talking about has apologized for his stance being uh, that it wa- that same-sex marriage was a profanity. It was a profaning of marriage. It was a mirage. He said that in 2004, and then he changes his mind uh, in 2021. The church is failing. The church is failing to have a strong stance on biblical marriage. They're failing to the Christians, I mean the church globally, big C, every believer. Christians are failing to teach their kids what marriage is, and listen, I don't have kids. Don't come at me and be like, you've never had kids, you don't know what it's about. I know that you can sit at the dinner table and teach your children how to live a godly life, how to grow in the fear and love of the Lord. Justin, I trust that's what you're going to do with your kids, and I trust that there will be a time yeah. where you have to explain to your kids why mommy and daddy are not two daddies or two mommies. Are you gonna Are you prepared right. to have that conversation with your son?
0: <clears throat> uh, you know, I honestly had not thought about uh, from that standpoint, but you bring up a good point. They are going to, uh, my, my kids, my son will encounter, uh, in, in his life and his young life, probably, um, friends who have a different home life than, than we have when it comes to the, the lifestyle of, of the parents. Um, man, you threw me for a loop with that. What do you do with that? When you're, when your kid comes home and asks that question? <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Um, Hey, I wanted to wanted to say something else along along the lines of what you were talking about there. Um, so so you you said that the church doesn't hasn't taken like a strong stance the the big C church. I I agree. Um, I think the other thing is the church has decided we need people on our side, and they've decided to give in in an effort to. Uh, I don't I don't know if you want to say reach people but but mm. build bridges maybe but they've mm. decided to compromise on on the beliefs that should be held strongly in an effort to win points with a community that ultimately I don't think cares about them. Mm. It's Justin, it's like go, go ahead. Justin, this 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 is a separate discussion. But this is my chief
1: problem this is one of my chief problems with shutting down church in the name of making the community around you feel safe with covid because they might sit there and be like oh thank god the church across the street is not meeting and not and and, and it's irony i said thank god they don't believe in god but the (laughs) unbelievers in your neighborhood around your church are sitting there thinking to themselves thank uh the the lightning that struck the pond to make the genetic process happen they're not meeting (laughs) we're a safe community but they're not going to come to church stop caring about the world care about Christ. That's just my, that's just my analogy for it, but keep going with how, no, no, I think that's,
0: I think that's perfect. Um, we, we have to care about Christ before we care about what these, uh, like you said, un- what the unbelieving community is—is is before we worry about what they're thinking, we, we will about stand us. before
1: Christ in judgment. Yeah. These people who yeah. run this Bethany uh, Christian Ministries or Bethany Adoption Agency—they will stand before Christ in judgment, and they will be—they will stand before Christ and have to answer for why they chose the world over Christ in this hey, situation.
0: Here's, here's my other problem, though, Alan. Um, we. I, I truly believe this with, with everything in me. The the first kind of step towards the normalization of some of the LGBTQ stuff is Christians who were willing to accept divorce. Mm. Um, now listen, I'm not going to be the guy who sits here and talks about like women who should have stayed in abusive relationships. That's not what I'm getting at. Um, what I'm getting at is folks who enter into Christian marriage and then don't take that commitment seriously. Right, they fall out of
1: love for each other, so they just get a little no-fault divorce because they didn't, (laughs) in their mind, make a lifelong covenant before God and with their wife or with their husband.
0: Right, and so when we cheapen marriage that way, when we even cheapen the marriage between a man and a woman, who cares if a man and a man get married? Who cares if a woman and a woman? Or who cares if a... Never mind. I'm not okay. Who who cares about what the LGBTQ community wants to do when we aren't strong enough to take a stand for what Christian marriage should be in the first place,
1: right? Justin, I just like um, I just like how you held your tongue. I saw an article this week about uh, uh, a a a throuple. Um, three men <laughs> who are a thruple oh. have adopted a child. <sighs> Um, oh, no. So that's, that's uh, yeah, you know, you know the, the, the arguments against same-sex marriage back in the early 2000s and in the early 2010s uh, often came down to, or not came down to, but often said things along the lines of, what are we going to allow next? Polygamy? Right. Uh, bestiality, <laughs> right. these sorts of things. And we're right. starting to see it before our very eyes with thruffles. So, but this Christian organization, I'm just going to do it right now. They're never going to listen to this, but dear friends, they need to hear this, even though they will never listen to this. Repent. All of you who work there, the, the leaders of that organization that made this kind of decision, you need to repent. And anyone listening, which is not is not only a few, I'm not going to act like we have tons of listeners or anything like that, but watch uh, organizations like this. Watch your local parachurch ministry that wants to uh, serve uh, you know adoption is, is an adoption agency. Watch your church, watch your Christian organization. Don't let them go down this path don't let them go down this path of what Justin was talking about which is ultimately a new kind of molding of the seeker sensitive movement. The seeker sensitive yeah. movement was let's turn our churches into movie theaters cuz that's what people want to go to. That's how we're going to get people in the door and hopefully then they'll get yeah. saved. And really what happened was a ton of people came to the door and nobody got saved because they didn't <laughs> they came for the attraction. They didn't come for Christ and they never heard the gospel. So, this is just a new kind of molding of that seeker sensitive movement which is let's get people in the door. Let's virtue signal to them about how we love the things of the world and try to get them to know the gospel. But if you separate Christ from the gospel, if you separate his lordship, uh, what he says goes from the gospel, then you have no gospel at all. You have a separated gospel. And so watch your church. I'm not saying your church is bad. I'm just saying watch your church. Watch your parachurch ministry. Watch the ministry that maybe y'all volunteer at. The food bank that you volunteer at. Watch them. Don't let them go down this
0: path. That's my that's my two cents. Uh, and not to, not to stay on it too long, but Um, just, uh, I'll, I'll say this too. Um, you sit there and think, well, my church will never do that. Or, or the organization that I believe in so strongly will never do that. Uh Um, wait until the person who leads that organization has, has to deal with that, like in their personal life, like with a close family Uh member who might, um, might be in the LGBTQ community and want to adopt, Uh um. Something I've seen is that when it hits close to home, it gets a little easier to start ignoring the standards, right? And that I I think that goes back to uh, even that divorce thing we talked about. Uh-huh. When people started feeling in their own lives like, "Well, I kind of want to get divorced," like it <laughs> it made it a it made it a thing that was more relatable. So, um, all of that to say, it can happen. It can happen anywhere. Like we can start um, giving in a little bit because what we want to say might be like, oh, well, I just, I want to love that person, or I want to, I want them to be happy. Um, look, I'm I'm taken it a little off topic here, but, um, happiness is, is temporary. Mm. Um, the, the Lord is, is forever. Um, our eternity, I just said it is is eternal. Um, (laughs) it's, it's not worth, it's not worth compromising. Yeah. Um, We have those beliefs that we we hold strongly for a reason. Uh, We value God's truth. Um, Yeah.
1: Come on, brother. Preach. And a
0: a new weekly uh,
1: segment that I've just come up with. Alan's bonus headline of the week. Close relation to our main topic this week. Joe Biden signed an executive order getting the United States back into uh, what is called the Mexico City policy, which is basically that we now... Uh, fund or give funding to abortions worldwide. And my only comment on this article, because I don't want to talk about it too much, but my bonus comment, my bonus article of the week, my only comment on this, is it's just some more great tone and tenor from our very presidential president, who's going to murder more babies, be a part of that, than ever before just great more tone and tenor but justin as we conclude our episode we spend just a few minutes more talking with each other this evening this episode
0: justin what are you reading what am i reading um alan i cannot recall the name of this book it's by hb charles jr Um, hb charles let me just as you think of the name hb charles jr what a man.
1: If you don't know who J.H.B. Charles Jr. is, as Justin looks for the name, I'll just share. J.H.B. Charles Jr. great preacher, uh, great. Fellow, he uh, pastored a church in California for many, many years. His father's church, actually, after his father passed away, and then he left to take uh, on the leadership of a church in Florida because they were so dying, it was a very toxic situation. He moved all the way across the country to help them out. And my one note on H.B. Charles is I think Justin's now got the title of the book he's just started reading. H.B. Charles took over his father's church when his father passed away. H.B. Charles became a pastor at age
0: 17. Yep. Yeah that's uh so yeah that's that's the book um, on pastoring um, what's it called on pastoring I, there's no reason I should have forgotten that because <laughs> I'm reading it for a class and the topic of the class is pastoring uh, this pastoral ministry now
1: Justin you said um, you said for class I thought you went to school for uh, women's studies or dance theory or something like that Wow.
0: Wow, have you been talking to my pastor? Because that's the kind of joke that he likes to make when I walk into the office with my apple cider instead of coffee. <laughs> if, if, so you're gonna bust me last if,
1: week for drinking tea, and you're drinking apple cider. All right, Justin, what is this yeah, book about? Go that, was, ahead, that was horrible.
0: Okay, so so the book is just about what it what it is to be a pastor. Um, it's it's a ton of short, digestible chapters. Um, Man, the insight in the book. Um, a lot of the times, he he said things that just specifically hit me in the heart, and I was like, "Man, I was thinking, I was thinking something mm. along those lines, and I shouldn't have been." Um, highly recommend. Um, hey, I will also say that the book you've been mentioning, uh, D. A. Carson, um, mm. exegetical fallacies, right? Yes. Is that right? Big I word. saw that. Don't you nailed them. <laughs> saw that on my pastor's desk today, and so I'm going to ask him if I can borrow that book, uh, because oh you have got me interested. So hopefully yeah. next week I can tell you that that is what I've been reading.
1: So Alan, on what reading, have been reading? On reading exegetical fallacies. Okay. I concluded the first chapter, uh, which sounds like no small feat, but indeed it is a large feat. Um, and uh, he said that. The, the chief issue with word study fallacies, preachers or exegetes who wrongly interpret words or abuse background information to, to talk about translations of Greek. He said the, the chief reason, the chief issue with this is because preachers know about enough Greek to use a concordance. To be able to look into a Greek to English dictionary and say, oh, that's a possible translation of that word. I'll use it for my sermon. And they don't understand how Greek works as a language. That, that words mean different things over time, or they mean different things in context, just as the English language does. And it made me think, darn it, if I don't want now to get a master's degree in biblical languages. <laughs> so D.A. Carson, if you're yeah. listening to this, which you're not, because uh, no one does, you... Um...
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. We had 17 plays last week, Alan. So we have at least... Well, I, I clicked play sixteen times, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I listened to it once just to hear my
1: just to hear your smooth buttery intro, uh, yeah, D. A. Carson. Sense. You've guilted me, not guilted me, but rightly convicted me into, um, desiring perhaps to get a master's in biblical languages. And I'm 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 just I'm halfway through with the Lord of the Rings, the first Lord of the Rings book. You, you you say that each book is divided into two books, It's really like six books. I'm about to start book two of the first book. Very good. Very different from the movies. We've talked about that, but super good, man. I'm into it. Are yeah, you still reading sure. Lord of the Rings?
0: Uh, yep. Um, working through, uh, return still. Uh, I read about half a chapter a night. Um, I mm. just trying to take it slow. I tell you what I need to do. I need to find if, if, if there's a podcast out there, there's a breakdown of the Lord of the Rings books. Mm. That would be fantastic. Um, uh, because I'll be honest, some of the, some of the times, man, and I know I've said this before, I read a page and I have to go back <laughs> and read the whole page over again. Cause I have no clue what's happened. Um, what, uh, which I one have, has been your favorite book? Oh man. Um, who, I really like old Tom Bombadil. Oh, stop it. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't help it man um, no what what I've found is, is as I've read throughout I've just had these moments of just seeing like these, these quotes that I wanted to take and post on social media um, I, I can't say that I have a true favorite book so far but there's just little nuggets all throughout that I mean they are relevant to the story and everything but man they're relevant to my life goodness mm. gracious yeah mm. interesting
1: yeah uh, is tom bombadil only in the first book yes okay so you so your favorite perhaps is the fellowship of the ring i'm enjoying it i'm, I'm looking forward to getting into the other books i'm, I'm wondering if uh, I'm, I'm wondering i'm just looking forward to seeing if there's some some of the action that's in the movies is in the yeah. books uh, because uh, i've looked yeah, it, sort of it is I've looked sort of at the last chapter of this book, um, and I'm not, I'm, I've, I've kind of scanned some pages. And um. the last chapter, what's that? No, no, listen. I know what happens. Um. I've seen the movies. Uh, I know that they win in the end. Uh, <laughs> but I know at the end of the first movie, there's a big battle scene. Um, and so I'm wondering if there's going to be a big battle scene at the end of the first book. I'm sure Helm's Deep is still in there in the second book and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah. I'm looking forward to continuing to read it. You will not be disappointed. And I'm not really watching anything on uh, – t- my, my, my wife and I started watching a little bit of a s- show called Scandal. It's like a political oh, – yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Remember so Scandal. overly dramatic. But,
0: um, yeah, absolutely. And,
1: and, of course, everybody and their mama is watching WandaVision right now. So. Uh,
0: not not this guy.
1: Not you and your mama?
0: No. No, my I'm mama sure good. ain't watching it, but I have not started either. Um. Hey, okay, so I, I am watching something, uh, and this is this is a one of those shows. that's old news as well. That seems to be my thing. I don't get into the current shows. So I wait till they're <laughs> old, and then I then I watch them. Um, have you ever watched The Wire? No. Listen. I've heard of um, that. Doesn't... Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those kind of slow burn kind of shows. Like it's definitely more about the story than about the action. Um, but man, it tackles some heavy stuff, dude. Um, like some of the things that the characters say, like, it's essentially like they're trapped in this life of, of dealing drugs because that's the only way they were ever going to have any money at all. Um, and it just kind of mm. takes on that kind of societal, uh, mindset that, that might be prevalent there. Mm. Um, it's, it's been an interesting, interesting watch. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's been fun. I've, I've enjoyed that. Well,
1: Justin, as we wrap up as we wrap up this week's episode, uh, where can the people find you? Where can the
0: good people find you? Uh, the good people, the wonderful people, can find me on Facebook, Justin Dutton. Occasionally I post my blogs there, Thoughts of a Youth Pastor. Uh, they can Google Thoughts of a Youth Pastor and potentially find my blog. I'll be honest, I'm not sure if it's one of the first ones to pop up or not. Now, you can find me on Twitter at jdizzle underscore 90. And you can find me on Instagram, but it's not going to do you any good because I don't mess with the Instagram.
1: Where well, you can find me on Facebook at my name, Alan Patrick. There's links to my blog on my Facebook and my Instagram. My Instagram and my Twitter are KingJames_underscore_Alan. My blog, just a little taste to whet your appetite. I wrote a published a blog today called "Your Holiness is Most Important," connecting the Ravi Zachariah story. With your personal evangelism, your witness is Christ. The church does not need scholars. The church needs disciples who want to grow in Christ, become more scholarly over time, but will follow Christ into the black in repentance and trust in Him. Just a little bit to what your appetite As We wrap up today's show. Trust Christ daily. Remember the gospel always. Follow His Lordship into all of your life. And love Justin as usual. Until next week. (laughs)